Hello, this is Digital Accessibility, the people behind the progress. I'm Joe Walensky, the creator and host of this series. And as an accessibility professional myself, I find it very interesting as to how others have found their way into this profession. So let's meet one of those people right now and hear about their journey. All right, well, we're back with another episode looking at accessibility practitioners and how they got to where they are today. And so I'm very pleased to be speaking today with Nicole Bergstrom. Hello, Nicole. How are you today? Good. How are you? Everything's going well. I'm, uh, as mostly usual, at my home office on Vashon Island near Seattle, which is where Blink's uh, headquarters office is. Uh, where are you talking to us from? So I am coming to you from just a little south of Denver, Colorado, and it is a bright, brilliant blue sky out, no snow, even though we're in November, um, but I also am working out of my home office here. Well, that, that's one of the nice trade-offs of, of, of Denver is that even in the, in the winter when it gets cold, you still have some sparkling sunny days and that kind of makes... Uh, makes everything uh, still feel okay. Absolutely. Well, I, I think good place to start would be uh, you know, talking about uh, what you're currently doing for your work, uh, and then we'll kind of move back in time after that. Yeah, absolutely. So currently, I am the Senior Director of Digital Accessibility at Hilton Worldwide. And what that really means is I have the honor and privilege of overseeing a fabulous team of uh, accessibility SMEs. And we have several areas of focus within Hilton. So the overarching is really from a programmatic perspective to grow and mature Hilton's accessibility program and overarching program what that distills down to and looks like is really helping to inject accessibility into all of our uh, guest facing so our outwardly facing technology in, in the digital space that's our um, property websites our hilton honors um, app mobile application uh, you name it if it's if it's digital um, then we have some responsibility we also really take an approach at, at Hilton that um, borrowing a term from others in the accessibility industry of shift left. And in our model, the shift left isn't just from a testing into development, it's actually shifting accessibility way up into the discovery and ideation phase. And we find that when that happens, then it sets the stage for accessibility just inherently being baked in all the way down the workflow. So that's kind of one area or one pillar, but given the nature and the diversity of the accessibility teams and our expertise in technology, in assistive technologies, being users uh, with lived experiences, it also puts us in a very important position within the organizations to help elevate uh, disability inclusion and what that really looks like. Um, and so that is also another big area in role that uh, myself and my team play um, across the Hilton Enterprise. 
Well, it sounds like uh, quite a lot of responsibilities, uh, and I'm interested in uh, in uh, digging a little bit deeper into your current work. But uh, one of the things that I like to do with uh, uh, with with this interview is find out how people got to where they are today, because we come from so many different ways into this accessibility practice. So, uh, kind of where where does it start from for you when you first started thinking about it? So. I really wish that I had like maybe this most amazing story, but the the reality is is that um, up until about a year ago, I did not live in the Denver area. I lived in the Washington D.C. area and had been there for you know thirty some years. And folks who live in that D.C. area uh, know that the federal government is a huge employer, be it actually federal employees or contractors. I was a federal contractor. And more specifically, I was working on a contract uh, under the National Institutes of Health. And when you're in the federal government, then the accessibility focus is the Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act. And because of the nature of work that I was doing, I was managing all of uh, the NIH Clinical Center's online communications, both internal and external. It also meant that the Section 508 um, compliance obligation was part of um, my responsibility. So I, I, I go to an access board meeting, and the access board being the body that um, came up with the Section 508 standards. And at this meeting was the first time that I had ever encountered a person using a screen reader giving a presentation. And it was amazing, exhilarating, new, and it just somehow resonated with me. It was, there was um, the learning from that and that experience was so powerful that it really motivated me to learn more and bring that back into the work that I was doing to an even greater level. And so before the, you know, the talk about uh, shift left that, I, that I've mentioned, um, again, part of the work that I was doing, I actually injected a section 508 check as part of our content uh, workflow. And as, you, as I moved out of the federal government, it then moved over into web content accessibility guidelines. And I saw that there really is a gap and a need for education, awareness, training, and helping organizations um, really get what it means to be accessible. So I made a career decision and I, I said, this, this feels right to me. Um, I, that I think that this is where I wanna go and this is where I wanna take my career. And that's what I executed upon. But yeah, everybody has their own starting point of, of where they come into accessibility, obviously. And you're talking about, you know, in the federal government. But, at, you know, when we come into this area, the, a lot of it can seem like there, there's an overwhelming amount that you have to learn. You know, where do we find resources? What's the next step? Um, when you first uh, started to really get involved with it, uh, what was your experience there? Uh, was uh, working in the federal government providing some uh, benefits or disadvantages in that, or, or kind of where did you go to to start moving forward? 
you know, that's interesting. A, a great question. Um, so I had a technical background and I, you know, I, I knew how to code web pages. So as I read the standards, they actually had meaning to me. And then uh, again, there were, there were two, two specific places. Um, the section 508.gov website, it was not as robust as it is right now. Um, and then the health and human services. So the overarching department above um, NIH had a lot of resources and had packaged them in a way that was really consumable. Um, those, uh, whoever is listening and has been in the industry uh, as long as I have also remember uh, a tool called Bobby. So Bobby was an automated tool that you could scan your website. And then if you were Bobby approved, then it was an indication that you were at that time accessible. Um, so a lot of it was hands-on learning. Um, I mean, the, the amount of training that is out there now uh, it is enormous um, and it just wasn't there. So some of it was also interpreting the standards and then turning around and uh, writing policy for how the NIH Clinical Center was going to um, interpret and apply the Section 508 standards. Well, uh, so then uh, you moved out of the federal government. Uh, what was the kind of next phase of uh, accessibility like for you? Yeah, so out of federal government, I then moved over. It was nonprofit, but higher ed. And so that's where it was really um, because it was higher ed working with um, higher education institutions who get funding from the Department of Education. It was still Section 508, but then the injection of the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. And that was really looking at working with this organization to do full-on audits and remediations of uh, very specific applications. And and so I imagine that 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 was you know quite a bit of diff, of a different work environment from the federal government. Uh, maybe there are some things carried over. Uh, what were some of the similarities uh, and things that were different? You know, the similarities, and, and I think that the, the similarities that weave throughout all of the different industries with whom I've worked is the, A, I don't know what I don't know, B, accessibility is hard, and C, well, is this good enough, uh, and accessibility is usually on the chopping block um, when, you know, the timelines get tight, scope has to be uh, tightened up. Um, so I would say that, you know, that's a little bit different in the federal government, but much more prevalent when you're in sort of private industry, when you're looking to feed the market and things like that. Um, but again, it was really a, this, um, a thought, right? Um, if you myth bust that accessibility is hard, it leads to ugly designs, um, dumbed down user experiences and uh, just a, yes, um, I committed to accessibility, but in application, the behaviors don't demonstrate what the mouths might be saying about their commitment to accessibility. So 
you know, that is so an overarching theme. How, what do you do with that? Uh, a lot of advocacy, a lot of awareness building, a lot of training. And in, at Hilton, my commitment was walking the talk. So that meant bringing in people who have a disability, both um, outwardly visible and invisible, and putting them on teams with our delivery teams so that they now could say, I know someone, right? It brought it home and mm -hmm. it stopped the discussion of why do we have to do this, right? Because they would look at their coworker and they would say, well, of course, my coworker should have equal access to everything that we're doing. And so that was something. And at the same time, it was a way for me to also demonstrate to the enterprise the value that a person with a disability brings to the workforce. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I, I, that's certainly uh, you know you know one of the best ways to be able to uh, you know uh, build up your accessibility uh, organization. Uh, I think one of the, one of the unfortunate barriers is that uh, when we when we uh, bring people with physical challenges into the workplace, uh, suddenly we're also recognizing that our internal tools that we work with aren't accessible, that the, our, the way that we carry on business hasn't been set up for that, which is a whole different thing from what we're providing externally. But it, it, yeah, I, you know, I, I see it as a, a really significant problem as we you know, bring more people uh, uh, into uh, help us in accessibility. Absolutely. I mean, as we diversify our workforce, um, even with COVID and people working from home, relying on technology more and more on a day-to-day -day basis to interact with coworkers and things, what's interesting is that climate, um, the situation has actually, at least in, you know, in our situation, really allowed us to, again, elevate the discussion and that um, discussions around mental health, bring your whole self to work, um, they're, they're door openers where we can also then help people understand, you know, a diverse workforce. It includes accessible internal communications. It includes accessible um, required training. Uh, it includes hosting accessible meetings. And so my team has just been phenomenal in really seeing the opportunities and uh, quickly spinning up training so that we, you know, the appetite's there. And so we want to feed that appetite um, and say, okay, here's an accessible meeting. And then we model it. Um, you know, here's what creating an accessible email looks like. And we do it in a, in a way that is very supportive. Um, and then what we've been doing is building champions. And so the champions are able to take back their learnings and share that with other people in the organization. And, and that's really, you know, that is the way to really scale that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, reflecting uh, on where we've gotten to with your career so far with the federal government and then with uh, 
the nonprofit situation. I, in both of those, we'll, we'll have compliance. We'll also have a mission that to be able to support uh, uh, those with physical challenges. Uh, but when we get to the, uh, the, the corporate area, suddenly a return on investment becomes a part of that, um, which maybe don't apply as much in those other areas. And uh, I would imagine that, you know, that's an important part of what your organization thinks about in terms of uh, making your, you know, using your properties uh, favorable to people that are looking at other options. When you take the number 1 billion people in this world with a disability and that's a number that you don't ignore. Uh, it is a, I believe it's a segment. It's a segment that um, is eager to return to travel. I believe that looking at end-to-end -end accessible travel that includes from the time that someone starts to dream about where do I want to go, you know, looking up, researching uh, hotels or locations all the way through, you know, whatever they need to get to an airport, air, you know, on the plane, and then arriving at our property and having an on-property accessible experience, you know, that is something where um, we are really taking a, a good, hard look. And there are things that um, Hilton has in play already that really helps facilitate. So my team being plugged in, especially in the digital space, you know, to make sure that people can book those rooms that they need at the hotels um, where they want to travel. But then you get to the hotel and we have tools like digital key um, we, where you can bypass the front desk. You can go right to your room and you can use your own device set up in whatever way you need it to be set up. You can have voiceover running. You can have your um, large text and you can then activate the unlocking of your room. You, you no longer have to figure out, you know, which way does the key card go or try to, you know, have fine motor skill in order to um, plug it in to the door. And so that is, you know, that is really freeing and support of independent travel. Um, you know, some of the other things that we are also looking at and refining would be uh, the uh, smart room uh, and having smart room technology. Uh, I, I tell the story, one of my team members, um, you know, before COVID, we traveled extensively. Um, he's blind. Uh, he has a guide dog. And so we would travel to our various offices and stay at um, usually the same hotels and in, in the different offices. And they, yet when we would go to the hotel, you know, it was always a different room. And you would have to feel along the wall in order to locate the thermostat it, because it was not in the same place in every room. And then you would have to figure out, is the heat on? Is the AC on? Turning it up, turning it down. Well, this um, smart room technology, again, puts control of a thermostat in a person's hand through our mobile app, and they can use whatever assistive technology um, or adaptive techniques and then control that, right? Again, that is pretty freeing. Um, and quite frankly, I think it benefits everybody. I've had a long day. 
I finally made it to my um, my hotel. I'm tired. I put my feet up, and now I'm cold. I don't want to get out of bed. Guess what? Boop, 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 boop. I can control my thermostat through my phone. So just a couple examples, and and some of how we're thinking, right? Is that it really is um, something that uh, it benefits everyone, um, and it also supports this inclusive travel mindset. Well, those are some uh, exciting things to uh, to hear about going on at, at your organization. Of course, inclusive design, where we're supporting the whole spectrum with our uh, our solutions, I think is uh, kind of where we all want to be with everything. Um, it, it, so we're, we've kind of come full circle back to where you're at today. Uh, do you have any thoughts about uh, or you know things that your organization is looking forward to uh, uh, farther into the future, or maybe some other things that you're passionate about that are going on right now? Um, so some of the things uh, I would say I'll keep it closer to home that I'm passionate about is really helping the enterprise understand, um, you know, what what is successful. Um, being successful in hiring more people with disabilities and the, the um, kinds of support mechanisms to have in place so that we set folks up for success. Um, and, you know, again, that includes a lot to do with technology. Obviously, technology is one of my areas of expertise, so I'm particularly sensitive to that. Um, so I see that as very exciting um, to be able to do that, right? To be able to then um, have Hilton looked at as, hey, this is a great place for everyone to work. Um, and it doesn't matter, you know, um, your ability, right? Uh, your race, it doesn't matter um, where you live, if you will. Hilton's a great place to work and we will support you in your career success. Um, the other thing that, you know, I always keep an eye on is directionally where are we going with accessibility guidelines. And so thinking about what is the 3.0 of WCAG going to look like, thinking about, um, you know, setting again the, the, um, the scaffolding, if you will, so that Hilton can quickly pivot and really understand how much do we really need to do. To pivot. Um, so those are some of the things. Um, and then looking for opportunities uh, to partner with uh, disability advocacy groups um, and also looking for opportunities to build features, functions um, in our Hilton ecosystem that are very specific to addressing needs of certain you know, disability populations. Um, and I think that, that that would be just fantastic. And again, I maintain that it'll benefit everyone. Well, I, Nicole, it sounds like you're definitely have uh, more than enough on, on your plate in terms of uh, current activities and things that you're, you're thinking about. Um, and I want to uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, share those experiences with me, talk about your journey and, uh, you know, maybe we'll uh, meet up in the real world at some point. Well, Joe, I appreciate the opportunity to share my story. 
hopefully it will inspire others to uh, follow follow along um, and do some great work as well. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, I'm Joe Walensky, and as host of the Digital Accessibility Program, I like to keep the focus on our amazing guests. But I'm always excited about my role as Accessibility Director at Blink, the producer of this program, and I'd like to share that with you. Blink is the world's leader in evidence-driven design, and we work with a wide variety of clients. Founded in Seattle, we also have offices in Boston, New York, Austin, San Diego, and San Francisco. Our stated mission is to make technology human. Embracing inclusive design and accessibility brings all of us closer to that mission. We bring accessibility in every one of our projects. Our philosophy is that each of our practitioners should understand how accessibility applies to their own work. Accessibility is not a separate department or activity for us. Our researchers, designers, and developers all employ accessibility principles at every stage. If you have a need for research and design services, Blink is a partner with a full-time commitment to making your product or service accessible and a great experience for all of your customers. Some of the specific areas where we can help, using research to better understand the needs of your customers with disabilities, innovating to make sure your accessibility is the best in class design, we can move existing designs to development in a sprint. And maybe most importantly, we provide a turnkey transformation to an accessible site or app. Of course, compliance status is something that we always include as part of the service. If any of this is of interest, please get in touch with me directly at joe at blinkux.com. That's J-O-E at B-L-I-N-K-U-X.com. Thank you. And please take a moment to rate our program in whatever app you use.